Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Jeremiah chapter number two. I want to read one verse of scripture there. Amen. I would have proceeded with uh, marriage matters and had every intent of doing so. But for about two weeks, this has just been nagging at me. And so I'm getting tired of it happening. So I got to just get over it. So in order to get over it, I got to get through it. And so here we go. Amen. Here we go. Jeremiah chapter number two, verse number 13. The scripture says these words for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. For a little while this morning, I need the help of the Lord, and I appreciate your help. Amen. Uh, seriously, I really would appreciate your help today. Uh, whenever the king, whenever King David was anointed, he received an anointing from the Lord, and the Bible says the people anointed him. So I appreciate your help today. I want to minister along this line. A prison of your own making. A prison of your own making. Amen. I need you to help us right now to pray because I want to connect with heaven this morning. He's been bothering me with this, so there's something here today for us. God, I come to you. I pray, oh, Lord, today that you're able to help us. God, I pray, oh, Lord, anoint every mind in this place. Anoint every heart, God, in this place. I pray, O oh Master, today, God, that I yield my members, I yield my mind and my heart to you as a vessel. I pray, O oh God, today I submit myself to your will and your purpose. God, for some reason, God, you have been bringing this back again and again to my heart and to my mind. And so with that, God, I bring it, Lord, to the minds and the hearts of your people today. God, I am just, Lord, your vessel, just your tool, your spokesman today. God, be the inspiration, Lord, behind these words. Be the power, God, behind, Lord Jesus, this word that is spoken today. God, and we'll give you the praise and the the honor and the glory, God, for what you accomplish in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray and the church say amen. 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 You may be seated today in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If I may read my scripture one more time since it's just one. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and have hewn them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water what we were hearing right here today was the voice of God speaking through his prophet Jeremiah Jeremiah would be one of the more of the major type of prophets throughout the Old Testament Uh, he would be the voice of God for the people uh, to bring them back to a place of origin with God to bring them to a place where they could uh, estimate and evaluate where they stood with the Lord. Many times the prophet would bring a word of warning and a word of instruction. He would bring a cry to God's people to sometimes return back to a state that they had once known. And so at this stage in time, Jeremiah from uh, even before birth had been ordained to be a prophet. 
to God's people. He was God's spokesman, and he right now in the second chapter is arresting the people of God, Israel and Judah, with the words that he spoke. He was calling their attention back to some former days, calling their attention back to a time of their youthfulness in their relationship with their God and with the Holy One of Israel. And even God, through the words of Jeremiah, is beginning to recall and remember what they were like back then, what they were like at a point in time in their history. You can read chapter 2, and God's saying, uh, children of Israel and of Judah, he said, I remember the kindness of your youth. I remember when you was just an impressionable mind with a little stroke of innocence in you. You, you, you didn't have a, a much to say or much knowing what to do. You were totally dependent upon me in your innocence and you were very impressionable. Uh, you thought, if you will, and this is no joke with the Lord, you thought I hung the stars in the sky <laughs> and he did. Uh, you thought just I was everything. I dealt with you in the simplicity of your youth. There was just a trust between you and me. You trusted me that wherever I said go, that I'd make provision for the way. And wherever I took you through, no matter how dismal that it may have seemed, that I would provide for you while you went the way. And I remember, I remember that it was your love for me. I'm just going through the second chapter. I remember that the love that you had for me drove you to chase me whenever I went into the wilderness journey. Amen. It wasn't even so much me beckoning you as it was that you being led by your love that you had for me that would drive you into a wilderness into the recesses if you will of an uncertain place and an uncertain time in your life a place void of water void of food but you loved me and you chased after me and so you went with me I was your God that brought you up out of 400, 430 years of bondage. I delivered you from the hand of a hard taskmaster that had been upon you for years. The Bible says plainly in verse number six, amen, that he would be the one that delivered them. He led them through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought, of a shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through, where no man dwelt, in other words, I brought you through a land that normally if a man entered, he would not come out of it alive. That normally if a man entered into this situation, he would not dwell there, he would not live there, and he would not be alive when he got on the backside of it. He said, but I, your God, your Savior that you love, brought you not only into a place like that, through a place like that, and out a place out of that, and you still live to tell the story about my exploits, my power, my miracles, and the signs and wonders that you experience in that place. Can someone say amen? In times past, he's recalling. He said, you sought me, amen, and you had the question sometimes in your life that you would ask, where is the Lord our God? Where is the Lord? Amen, came across your mouth several times in your walk and relationship because you wanted me close. You wanted me near. You wanted to hear my voice of reassurance. You wanted to hear my words of instruction that was gonna help you in the steps that were 
were still yet ahead of you. So you wanted to know where I was at. But now you don't seek me like that. Now you're not worried about where I am. My whereabouts are or where I am moving and where I'm acting. It seems like you don't need that voice of assurance right now. You could care less about the words of instructions right now. You're no longer calling for where is the Lord my God. Someone say amen. He says you've even went to the degree that you've changed the glory for that which doth not profit. In other words, the worship that you have, it's not stopped, but it's just changed its object. Amen. It's no longer toward me, but it's toward something else. You've altered the object of your worship. That's what he's speaking of. He's speaking of somebody that he knew intimately that knew him, that vied for his attention, that wanted his voice, wanted his interaction in their life. Now to a people that could just basically say, God, don't bother me right now. God, don't worry about me right now. I'm just doing my own thing. You do your own thing and everything will be well. Can someone say amen? It would be the vice of Israel, the vice of Judah, as it would be in their life. And this is a constant battle for them, a constant battle. And if scripture is any indication of real church and real Bible, then this is true for our life. And the constant battle that they had is the constant battle that the church has. And that is this, we go seeking after other gods. And we might not have gods of wood and gods of stone like they did back then. They just take on a new dimension, a new image, and a new name for today but we still fall down in worship and they forsook God. They forsook that which was permanent. They forsook that which was pure. They forsook that which was holy and they steered their path. They turned their back, the Bible says, on God and they turned their face toward other gods. Can someone say amen? He says very plainly, he says, my people have committed then, namely, two evils. They've traded listen to me now they have forsaken the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water fountains exist without the intervention of man Fountains exist in geysers of bubbling springs and fountains exist because they were ordered and ordained there by the hand of God. People discover fountains. They don't create fountains. But a cistern is the devisement of a man. Now you had wells in Old Testament times where men would dig deep enough till they, instead of striking oil, they struck water. Cisterns, though, was just carving out a place in the earth. Didn't go, amen, perhaps as deep as a well would go till they strike water. It was a dry, barren uh, portal void in the earth that they would depend upon rainwater and such. Whenever it would rain, the rain would trickle down and begin to fill up their cistern. The fountain was God-made. The cistern was man-made. If a person had a fountain within the city limits or in close proximity to the city, 
It was a no-brainer. Listen to me right now. It was a no-brainer that you would just go whatever distance you needed to in order to go to the fountain because that isn't the runoff from the ground and from a roof and through manure pastures yeah. like what gets in the cistern. That was pure. That was untainted. But if I dig me a cistern and runoff water gets down in there, I got to sift through impurities. I got to push aside that which is going to be beneficial or non-beneficial to me. And it's totally dependent sometimes even on how big I made my cistern. So if there, was a, if there was a fountain nearby, it was a no-brainer that you just go on and go get yourself some water from the fountain because you know the water's going to be pure. You don't have to worry about getting sickness or disease from that water. You don't have to worry about an ailment of disease getting your family from that water. The moment you get it, you don't have to build upon it, improve upon it. It's good just as is. <laughs> but if you go to the cistern, you might have to boil that. You might have to make a fire and get the impurities out of that. You still might have to improve upon that water. But that's what happens when you depend upon something that's man-made compared to what's God-made. That's right. That's, come on now. Yes, sir. Amen. Come on. It's a no-brainer. Although Scripture and history tells us that there were several families throughout Palestine and other areas that made themselves cisterns. One of the main purposes why a person would make themselves a cistern would be for the convenience. The convenience of maybe having somewhat of a water supply that close. In other words, they didn't want to make the effort to travel the distance, carry the pails to the fountain. Although its pureness could be verified and it was untainted it wasn't questionable they'd much rather have impure water that was convenient than pure water that was going to be a little inconvenient at times oh God help me right now and so they were trading their fountain for a cistern and here is the calamity they built. They were building themselves something that they believed would benefit them. They were constructing something concerning a cistern, hoping, depending upon the fact, Brother Terry McGee, that it would benefit them, benefit their family. This is going to be great having this right here. This is going to be real beneficial to me, real beneficial to my life, real beneficial to my family. But the Bible says that they hewed them out cisterns. Everybody say broken. Broken cisterns that could hold no water. I want to submit to you this morning that the cisterns that they built never in their lifetime held any water. That the moment that they forsook the fountain of living water and went to hewing out cisterns, that day that the cistern was finished, it couldn't hold water. The day that the cistern was finished, it was a broken cistern. Someone say amen. The day that they finished this thing that was going to serve as benefiting and beneficial to their life, whenever they completed, it still was no benefit. 
to their life. Someone say amen. So, so they trade the living for the broken. They trade the living for that which is already dead. Someone say amen. The man-made source, the reservoir, instead of God's source. You know what they're doing whenever they leave in a fountain and go into a cistern? They're believing in some way they can improve upon the quality of what was already there. Believe they could improve upon the quality of what was already going on, that fountain. Amen. Devise something perhaps a little bit better that was readily available supply for them. But that was not the case. Forsake God and go after the other things of life that you perceive is going to be beneficial to your life. Forsake the fountainhead of the Lord and pursue the other things in your life that you deem is going to make things more convenient for you and your family. Let me tell this congregation today, if you're going to hew you out a sister, and let me tell you, sir and ma'am, you better hew out a good one. You better get out, you better get out the, the measuring tape and you better measure it off and you better do some calculation and you better hew out a good one and you better make sure it's wide enough and it's deep enough and, and that it, it, it's high enough, if you will. You, you better measure out a good one if you're going to do it because, listen, the day that you finish it, it still's not going to profit you. The day that you're finished with it, it still won't hold no water. There'll still be no supply. You'll still be in a dry and arid place the day that you finish it. I'm trying to preach to a group of people today in this congregation that may be forsaking the fountain of living waters, the one that brought you out of bondage, the one that brought you out of your heartache and your headache, the one that held your hand through the time of your wilderness and you seen, still seen a miracle and you still had provision, but now you're turning your back on that. You're saying, you know what? I'll just go over here. I believe this will serve life better, benefit life better, but can I tell you the day you step in that direction, it doesn't profit you any more than the day that you first took your first step. It doesn't benefit you anymore. I gotta preach to this group of people here today because from this, this hit me just a couple weeks ago in my studying for marriage matters as a matter of fact. But I read in the history books, amen, that chronicled this, that a cistern that did not hold any water a cistern that did not hold any water was oftentimes used for a prison. The moment that you forsake the fountain of living water, the moment you start devising your concept of what's going to be better serving to your life and more beneficial to your life and this is going to serve better and it's going to be more convenient for me and my family and my kids. The moment you start devising that, sir, you have started making your own prison. You start making your own cell of captivity again. You've already walked back into Egypt and said, put the taskmasters over me. Make me make bricks and straw. Make me... Somebody hear me today. Someone say hallelujah. Uh, what are you saying then this morning, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. They called it cisterns. They called it 
prisons. They called it pits. All of those are translated from a similar and same word in the Hebrew. Sometimes they were called a pit or a prison or a cistern that held no water. But what I'm saying is basically this this morning. A pit and a prison is just a self-made cistern that didn't function like you thought it should function. That didn't benefit you as you foreseen it would benefit you. You spend all your time. You spend all your energy. You invested in something that you thought was going to be convenient and beneficial to your life and instead it ended up incarcerating you and putting you back in bondage. It's a prison of your own making. Listen to me this morning, folks. There is no slyer conniving, amen, adversary than Satan. And it would be his job duty description, not just to put you in prison, but put you in a prison that you made yourself. Someone say amen. Uh-huh. Joseph was thrown in the pit by his brothers. The Bible said it didn't hold any water. You know what it was? That pit that Joseph found himself in was a cistern that didn't function as it was designed to function. Therefore, it became a prison. Just walk with me here. Joseph. We'll talk about a few aspects of this cistern prison life. Joseph. He's a young man, around 17 years old or so. He has dreams. Plainly has some dreams. God speaks to him and showing him some dreams of future matters, future things. He's already hated by his brothers because of the favor that daddy's placed upon him. The coat of many colors. Already despised by his brothers. But that, that, that cruelty and that hatred just heightened whenever Joseph begins to tell them about his dreams. Dreams about what's going to take place. What's going to happen. What God is going to unfold in his life. They hate him, the Bible says, the more because of his dreams. And as he's going out one day to check on his brothers that's tending to the livestock, his father had sent him to do so. As he's going, and even on his way, the brothers begin to conspire. They become an adversary, if you will, to Joseph. And they said, here cometh the dreamer. Not Joseph, but the dreamer. Here comes the one that foresees in his life some better things of bounty that he's received from God, what God's going to do in his future. Here comes that man. Here comes the dreamer. And they begin to conspire among themselves. And it was firstly that they considered, hey, why don't we kill Joseph? Why don't we kill him and cast him in the pit? Why don't we kill him and cast him in the pit? But then there was a voice that arose among them and said, Nay, let's not kill him. Let's keep him alive and put him in the pit. Let's put him alive down inside of the pit because the moment you kill him, the memory of his dream is gone. The moment that you kill him, the memory of all the things that God was going to do in his life are gone. But why don't we keep him alive so that his dream and his mind is alive but just confine him to a pit? Oh yeah, 
confine him to a place where what someone thought would benefit them didn't why don't we put him in a prison right here and contain him right there and he can live his days thinking about what God was going to do but can't do because he's in a prison Our adversary in certain episodes and times acts just like that. It's not that you built your own prison, but he puts you down into a cistern that couldn't hold no water. It becomes a pit and a prison to you, but he wants you alive. He doesn't want you dead. He wants you alive because every dream and aspiration that you had in God before the pit came into your life, he wants you to remember. He wants you to rehearse in your mind and have you somehow just agonizing in the moment that I'm in prison. How's this ever going to come about? How's this ever going to take place as long as I'm in the prison because what does the pit and the prison do to a person the pit and the prison causes a person over time to forget their dream because after Joseph left the pit and was sold into slavery and got in Potiphar's house it wouldn't be long he would find himself in prison a dungeon which so happens to be, again, a cistern that didn't hold water. He spends length of time down there in the dungeon. And yes, he's interpreting other people's dreams. But while he's all the time doing that, he's forgetting his own dream that the Lord had given him. The prison and the pit have a way of snuffing out, if you will, the dream that you had, amen, that God had for your life. Snuffing out the memory of it. Snuffing out the ability to recall it. Amen. But I want you to understand this evening that the Bible says plainly that whenever Joseph came up out of the pit and out of the prison that dungeon and arose to second of command over Egypt amen underneath Pharaoh amen he was still now here he is in the pit and prison and palace now but the dream is so long gone so long gone forgotten not remembered because of the pit and the prison of being contained in cisterns that were supposed to be beneficial but weren't beneficial and rather ended up being prisons for somebody's life. And in the process of being in them, it snuffed out the memory of the dream. But the Bible says as he's now in the palace, still that seems to be a distant memory that hasn't come to the forefront of his thoughts the Bible says very plainly that his brothers are coming to visit him in Egypt. They're coming for provision. They're wanting to take back some food to dad, to the brethren and the families back home. And they come unto Joseph asking for provision. And the Bible says plainly in verse 8 of Genesis 42, Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And the Bible says, look at this, and Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them and said to them, you are spies. In other words, Joseph didn't remember his dreams until he seen, amen, the conspirators and the adversary that had once thrown him down into the pit. And whenever he seen his past walk into his present, it reminded him of his future. Uh-huh. Whenever he seen the brothers, he remembered, thank you, Bishop, he remembered his dreams. Amen. Can I tell us today that we better be careful whenever we set the limits of our prescribed cistern because it, whenever it doesn't perform like you thought it would perform or like you envisioned it to perform, it'll be the boundary line of your 
prison. He said years ago, God spoke to his people through Jeremiah. He said, hey, I helped you break through your yoke. I helped you break your bands of your captivity. But now you've traded all of that for bondage again. He said, are you going to go back to Egypt? Are you going to go back to the waters of the Nile River? Are you going to go into Assyrian captivity and drink from the Euphrates River? Why in the world you do all that when standing right before you is the fountain of living water? He says, I'll tell you what will happen. He said, trouble's going to come. And when trouble comes, why don't you, you read it, Jeremiah 2. He said, when trouble comes, why don't you go speak to that piece of stone? When trouble comes, why don't you go talk to that stalk of wood? He said, no, when trouble comes, you're going to turn toward me. And say, God, will you help me? Yes, sir. Come on but whenever you was devising your own plan in your own way, you wasn't asking, where is God? But when trouble shows up, you're asking, where is he? <laughs> you better build you a good cistern. You better make sure it's deep enough for that supply of water that you're expecting. But the moment it's done, it's dry as a bird's nest. Whenever you're done finishing it, you might as well go and climb inside of it. You better build a good one, folks, because whenever you get done, this is going to become your habitation. You better make sure it's got good walls and the dimensions are like you would like to have the dimensions because whenever you get finished, you cannot forsake the fountain and get something better from a cistern. Whenever you get finished, you've made your own bed and you're going to lie down inside of it. You've made your own prison and you're going to put the shackles on your own hands and your own feet. So you better make sure it's a good one, that there's plenty of room because some of you is not going to stop there. You're going to have to have enough room to put your family down in there too. You have to put little Johnny in there and little Betty in there and they're going to have to know the confines of everything that mom and dad said this is going to be good for you. This is going to be beneficial for us and our family. We're going to be able to get a little higher than we ever had in our life once we start building this cistern. Everything's going to be better. We're going to have more money. There's going to be more happiness in our life. You tell them that same story when they're sitting beside you down in that empty cistern. You go and tell them how much that benefited them. hear me again and I don't know let me drive it home a little bit more after a little more understanding of where I was going here this morning it is not like they devised this and it served to be beneficial for a period of time and then ceased being beneficial when they finished building it started out from the very onset being not beneficial you viewed you out cisterns that were broken from the beginning. How so? Because you can't leave the fountain of living water and improve on that with something you devised by your own hand. 
You say right now it's tough on the family to make the trick to the fountain to get pure water. Honey, it's going to be more tough trying to reside in your own cistern you devised by your hands. Don't you think for a moment it's hard on little Susie and Bobby going to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night being at youth functions. Bless God, that's hard. They never have no time to themselves to be a kid. Honey, they'll never become adult that God wants them to become if they don't make the trek to the fountain where the pure water is flowing uninhibited. They ain't worth, they're not trying to depend upon runoff from something else. It's the purity of the source. Go to the source. Go to the... Let me state it differently this morning. God, you burned this in my spirit for two weeks for some reason. Let me explain it this way. Whatever it is that you'll give up God for will eventually end up controlling you and binding you. Whatever! Be it job, be it houses, be it homes, be it relationships, whatever that you turn your back on the living fountain of water on to embrace, you'll end up controlling you. The thing that you devised by your hand, you thought you had the specs for and you was making the dimensions of, it's going to end up putting you incarcerated, imprisoning you. What you thought you devised and had control over is going to end up controlling you whenever you forsake the living fountain, the pure water, the never-ending supply. Jeremiah knew well of the ability of broken cisterns. He knew well of the ability of broken cisterns, prisons. We see later in the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says that he's thrown where? Into a pit. It did not have any water. You know what it was? He was throwing himself into a cistern, a broken cistern. He knew right well the ability and the capability of a broken cistern, not doing what it was intended to do, but being used in a negative, devilish means and way of housing somebody in a pit. You know, there's another Bible story of 1 Samuel 13. I'm trying to be mindful here of my time. But in 1 Samuel 13, the Bible says that the Philistines had come out against the children of Israel. Saul right now is king. Saul only has about a couple of thousand of people. The Philistines, thousands, like 30 or so thousand chariots at least come out against him. Watch it now. So it's hard times. As a result of all this, Israel gets afraid. Some jump in caves. The Bible says because of the distress. Some go hide in the wooded areas. But do you know what some of them do? They get inside of their pits. They're broken cisterns. Some of us are trying to hide from life. 
by getting down into our cisterns. Sadly, what happens sometimes is after we build them thinking they'll be beneficial and they're not. Because we understood, well, it's not beneficial. It didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. You know what we do? Rather than turn into the fountain of living water because we're embarrassed about the work and the energy that we invested in our cistern. Rather than go to the fountain, we just hide behind what we built. We just hide down inside of the choices that we made. And we say, you know what, I'm just going to have to live here because it'd be too embarrassing to go back to the fountain after I told everybody I was making me a cistern. It'd be too embarrassing to go back into society after I told everybody this is the way I'm going. I'm going to do my own thing, choose my own life, and everything's still going to be well. And so just to, just to break, you know, from having to let our pride lowered and, and the embarrassment of everything, we'll just get down in our cistern and we confine ourselves to the choices that we've made. And while we're there, listen to me, folks. While we're there, we will become no different from Joseph. Every dream that God inspired in our heart and mind of what he would do or what he should do prior to our cistern days will begin to get snuffed out in that pit that we have. What happens? The possibility. The possibility of those things become so distant that we push them aside. And rather than embrace the fountain, we'll just embrace a bad choice, a bad decision more eagerly than we would for the hope that first delivered us. If you'll stand with me this morning. God help me today. We just bow our heads in this place this morning. Holy God, holy God, holy God. He spoke to them, Jeremiah 2 and 5. He said, Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone? He said, They're gone far from me. And they've walked after vanity and are become vain. What's he saying? He's saying, They have become what they have walked after. They've walked after vanity and are become vain because you will become what you are following. You will become what you walk after, what your face is turned toward. This morning, please do not forsake the fountain of living, pure, unadulterated water and hew you out a purpose and a plan a devisement of your own hand that's not going to serve beneficial to you that's not going to serve profitable to you but quite rather is just going to imprison you these altars are open today every man woman boy and girl there may be some families here today that you're housed right now in a broken cistern with your family because somewhere in your past you thought it would be better this way you thought it would be a, a mere tool of convenience. It would be just more convenient to do it this way. But you just now look up from the depths of your pit and realize what I've been building all along this journey and this way is my own prison. 
Well, I've been building all along this way that I, I thought I knew. I even told others this is going to be better. Have served out to be worse. Have served out to be a very thing that would bind me, incarcerate me, would even try to snuff out the dream and the plans that God had for me. Hallelujah. Can we just come forward today individually? Can we just come forward and find a place to pray? Hallelujah. Just find a place to pray. Folks, do not depart from the fountain of living waters. Do not depart from the fountain and try to embrace a cistern. Do not depart from the living and go to, if you will, the dead, the absent, the no water hooting cistern. Folks, you're just, you're, just, you're just asking to be incarcerated by a prison of your own making and doing so. God, I want you. God, you were the one that delivered me from bondage. You were the one that delivered me and my family, God, the firstborn, God of the Lamb, God, the blood, Lord Jesus, was shed. And it was upon our households, and we had great deliverance. You sustained me through wilderness journeys. How in the world is it sometimes that God can hold our hand through some of the most uh, treacherous times of our life, some of the most uh, foreboding and intimidating times of our life? How can he hold our hand and thus allow him to, through all those great woe times of life, for us then to turn our back? At somewhere along the journey and think that we can improve upon what he's already done for us. Oh, come on, let's pray this morning. Let's call out to God. Let's call out to God. Let's call out to God. Oh, people, let's call out, Lord. If we humble ourselves and pray, let's call out to the Master right now. Folks, we're living in perilous times. We're living in perilous times. I know you can watch the news and you can read the reports, but I wish you would start correlating that with Scripture. We're living in some perilous times. Amen. With Jerusalem and Lord is compassed about with, with armies. You better look up for your redemption draw. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. We had an earthquake. I read of New Jersey Friday having an earthquake. Normally doesn't happen. Tokyo had an earthquake. What's going on? They're happening in divers' places. Places, places that scientists even say they should not happen, but they're happening. Why? We're living in perilous times, and there's people that's worshiping other gods, other things, other purposes, other plans of their own hands devisement, and it's going to prove to be a prison for their life. It's not time to forsake the fountain. It's not time to forsake this fountain. It's tried. It's true. It's pure. It's there. He'll be there in the wilderness, and he'll be there when things are well done. Don't forsake the fountain. Don't hew out a prison of your own making. Don't do it. The moment you start trying is the moment you already start failing because it'll serve and be unprofitable. Unprofitable. Some of you better consider the kids. Some of you better consider the grandkids. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.